I'm Claire Cottingham and you're listening to Everything F1 Podcast, driven by fans for the fans. EF1 Podcast. This is the Everything F1 Podcast. Today we review the Monaco Grand Prix and we talk to our special guest, Claire Cottingham. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Today we've got alongside me from the Everything F1 team, Coops. Hi, Coops. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got Adam. Hi, Adam. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Oh, it's sexy deep man voice there. And we've got a special guest today. We've got Claire Cottingham. How are you, Claire? Are you okay? I'm good. I have no sexy deep man voice, I'm afraid. <laughs> but thank you very much for joining us anyway, with whatever voice you do have uh, with you today. For all our listeners, we are Everything F1. We, you can find us on all socials. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We've got a Discord server and our handle is at joinef one And of course, don't forget our website, www.everythingf1.com. And of course, the podcast itself, you can subscribe to the podcast uh, and that's on all podcasting and streaming services. So we, today we're reviewing the Monaco Grand Prix uh, first and then we'll have an interview with our guest, Claire Cottingham. Uh, just for our, the uninitiated fans out there, Claire, who are you and why are we so interested in speaking to you today? I mean, I can't answer the second one. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have uh, been working in motorsport for quite a few years. Um, I have done um, F1 as a pit lane reporter um, mm -hmm. for BBC Five Live, for Channel Four. Um, I was also, for the first year of W Series, their commentator. Um, and also have worked for BT Sport, ITV Sport as well, motorsport for touring cars um and done some bits for fe as well and at the moment i am now the formula one reporter for the daily express which goes across the mirror the star and I, another a another the <laughs> other? i think the daily express is the other, <laughs> That's the other. <laughs> well you've done a lot i can see why you might forget something because uh you, it seems like you've, you've you've done work for pretty much every network newspaper or or, or whatever that's out there, radio uh, program that's out there. But thank you very much for coming to uh, to speak to us today uh, on the Everything F1 podcast. So as I say, we're going to talk about the Monaco Grand Prix first, and then we'll speak to Claire afterwards about her career so far. So, Coops, in three lines, what did you think of the Monaco Grand Prix? It was a strange one. Because the race was rubbish, but it was... Because of what was going on, it made me excited to watch it. Because of what was how the championship ended up and Vettel getting points and Norris getting on the podium again. So yeah, it was, it was a bit weird for me. Adam, same question to you. Sum up the uh, Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah, well, as Coop said, as much as the race was interesting, I found the whole weekend interesting because I watched everything from free practice, you know, to the end of the race. So I think the build up 
So the race was more interesting than the actual race itself. <laughs> it's usually the way for Monaco, isn't it? Um, Claire, can you give a three-line kind of uh, your, your sum up your feelings on the weekend? Um, I mean, probably I'd say probably quite similar to Adams. I mean, this isn't going to be a three-line because I'm a broadcaster and we don't do that. Um, <laughs> no, but I think it was really interesting because the mind game started, and I think yeah. that was really fascinating that we've seen that swing in the championship now. Um, I don't know how long that will last, but I thought that was a very interesting aspect of the weekend. It was, uh, and we'll we'll get on to that. So let's talk about first, uh, kind of, the, probably the most important part of the weekend, which was qualifying. Um, because as we, everybody knows, uh, the, the, the most important part of the weekend is the qualifying session because it is all about where you, where you can start the race uh, on a Sunday. Coops, who stood out for you in qualifying that wasn't in the top three? Oh, there was a couple. I mean, stood out in ways that were good and bad. Good, Vettel and yeah. Gasly. Mm-hmm. Gasly actually put the Alpha Tauri where it's supposed to be. <laughs> uh, going by what the car looked like in pre-season. Yeah. Vettel's, well, we all want Vettel to be there, regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had Alonso in 17, which was weird. Uh, Very strange. Especially when Ocon got, I think he got 11th, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. I'm sure, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so, yeah, they were the kind of standouts. Uh, and then, of course, we'll get on to Leclerc, but just Leclerc doing his Michael Schumacher impression at the end of the. <laughs> which is quite good. Uh, but yeah, they were the kind of standouts for me. Okay, outside the top three. Okay, how about you, Adam? Same same question. Who who stood out outside the top three um, on the qualifying session? Well, obviously Lando. You know, because we're all uh, McLaren fans here. Um, well, not so secret McLaren fans, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, again, he he did what he sort of failed to do in the previous races, where he showed the pace, but. Didn't really come in Q3. He finally got the lap in. Could have gone a bit better, but um, fit, uh, was fifth. Yeah, fifth was uh, good. Uh, Sainz really starting to find his way with the Ferrari. In He's getting comfortable, place. isn't he? Yeah. Definitely getting comfortable there. Um, and just, yeah, what uh, Coop said. Okay. Uh, and and any, uh, anyone else for you, Claire, that stood out really uh, in the qualifying over the weekend? Probably say Giovinazzi. I think he was a tenth, so I think it was really good to see him get into Q3. I think that was really good. Um, George Russell had a bit of a shocker again, and I guess the other standout, but maybe not for the right reason, is going to be Lewis Hamilton. Um, yes, with his, yeah. with his qualifying performance that is nothing from what we usually have seen from the seven-time world champion. So, but other than that, no, totally agree. I think Lando Norris is absolutely driving the. The wheels off that McLaren, I think that's been really, really exciting to see. Um, be so interesting to see what Danny Rick can do come the rest of the season because it looks like Sergio Perez is, is hooking up the Red Bull a lot quicker than, than Danny Rick is in the McLaren, which is a bit mm-hmm. of a worry, I think. But yeah, yeah no, totally, I, I think I, I would say exactly the same as, as the other two for stand-up. Well, let's talk about the top three then because obviously the, the, the top three uh, places were the most important ones for the, for the race. Um, well... Let's talk about uh, Bottas first. Now, Valtteri Bottas qualified in third. Um, he was a lot stronger than his teammate this weekend. Um, do, why was that, Claire? Do you, do you have any kind of inside information uh, other than, the, you know, just maybe set up? I mean, 
the problem with Lewis is his tires were just not heating up. They were just mm. that he couldn't get those tires working, and for whatever reason it was, Valtteri Bottas could. Um, yeah, I think I think you can't really. Even though Lewis was struggling a lot of the weekend, even through practice, um, Ferrari were just quicker. They were. Yeah. Um, also, you have to remember that Hamilton, he doesn't really get on with the circuit. He's only won three times around here in 13 attempts. You know, that is, when you look at it, you're like, um, that's got to be wrong. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, so there's already that coming into the weekend. And there was an interesting quote I heard from um, Nico Rosberg, who was talking about it, who is basically the Jacques Villeneuve of, of F1 these days. <laughs> but he was saying, you know, Lewis had lost the confidence during practice. And there is that sort of thing. You know, he he's not indestructible like he is just like everyone else if his confidence is not, confidence is knocked you know yeah. it's, it's very difficult for you to get that back and even though we've seen Lewis do some incredible things sometimes it just doesn't hook up and, and at a place like Monaco if you can't hook it up you're just you're screwed for the rest of the weekend and that's just how it goes and yeah. I think for Bottas as well during qualifying he just capitalized on the as we all know, around Monaco, you need the fresh, you know, you need air in front of you to be able to make the mm. car even go forward. And I think, I think Lewis just maybe got caught in traffic during qualifying. And, and it, unfortunately, that's all it comes down to. And then obviously the red flag coming out. I mean, yeah. about five people said they were about to put it on pole, which to be fair, I would do. I'd be like, I don't know if you saw the data, I was going to do it too. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it was, he just wasn't comfortable. He was so uncomfortable in the car. And I think, I think Bottas just found a bit of a sweeter spot. Mm. Did it show the true pace of the Mercedes? It's obviously not a, the, the highest power uh, power track uh, and race uh, circuit. Um, we've been questioning whether the Red Bull is the is the more powerful car this year. Obviously, the, the Mercedes have scored the most points, so we, we're kind of saying, well, maybe it's the Merck that actually is more powerful. But do, do, has, has it really kind of shown the flaws in the Mercedes car, do you think? I mean... Now, no, because Red Bull are, are ahead in the in the drivers and the constructors championship, so they've scored more points technically than, yeah. than Mercedes this year. Um, look, I I think Monaco is such a difficult one. It's such a beast of its own, and you mm. can't. It's one of those ones where you either have to go in and you're great, and you have to yeah. go. Ah, oh, this is what this is my track. This is my jam. I like this is my bread and butter. Leclerc, he loves it. He loves it around there. You know, he's had bad luck. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's a circuit that he enjoys. Um, it's it's one of those ones where it's, you can't compare, I would say. It's it's in its own little atmosphere, you know, Monaco. Mm. And, and you go into, you then go into the next race, what, there's Baku next, there's another street circuit, but it's a completely different beast, you know. Monaco, yeah. Monaco is a weird one because the cars are too big for the track, basically, now. Um, this yeah. is why we're seeing these issues of, of you know, traffic and cars not being able to put in the laps that maybe they could do. That Don't get me wrong, that Mercedes is fast. It's rapid, you know, it's yeah. rapid. Is the Red Bull faster along a straight? Maybe. But then we go down the bendy wing. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> oh, you know, let's not go down that just in case it turns into some sort of legal battle. But, you know, you do start going down that battle. You know, is it the bendy wing that's helping them out? Monaco isn't somewhere that you can, you just, you can't, you just can't mm. compare them. And that's the issue with Monaco. I truly believe that Mercedes will be back fast next time out. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the true representation of what Mercedes have. 
Uh, and we see Hamilton usually comes back quite strong after he's had maybe a full uh, a week that's that's been quite um, full of faults or not full of faults, but you know. But but that's not a regular occurrence, is it, from Lewis? So uh, it, it's a, a, a strange one for him. Um, should we talk about Max Verstappen then in his, in his qualifying session? Uh, do you think he was about to stick it on pole ladder? Do you think? Do you think that was probably going to be a pole lap from him? Yeah, but it doesn't really matter because he didn't finish it. So it doesn't really um, come into it. You know, the clerk got the lap in early. He got the banker lap in. He got mm-hmm. pole. doesn't matter if he's the one that got, caused the red flag. It got him pole. That's what happens. It could be a yellow flag. Could have been somebody going wide. Could be anything that could have stopped mm-hmm. Max's lap. So you can't say, oh, could he have had it? He might have, but we just don't know. And we'll leave you to, to, to discuss Charles Leclerc then, uh, Coops. He stuck it on pole. He, he he had the fastest lap, and then he obviously had that massive crash uh, just coming out of this out of the swimming pool, wasn't it? Was it that, that, that yeah, it was. Yeah, he clipped it on the inside coming in, broke the wishbone, and it sent him straight to the scene of the accident. Same, same as Max did um, a few years ago in qualifying. Exact same crash that Max did. Was it not FP three that he done it in? Because that was the. Yeah, I'm not sure he's done in he's done it in FP3, well. the Drive to Survive sure. episode, and then they could couldn't be FP3, qualify. Yeah. So. But it, it was the exact same crash that Max did. According to the land of Twitter, he done it on purpose. No, <laughs> I can't see him doing that. Especially with the cost cap this year, they can't afford to have damage in the cars. But even at that, he, he, he done a really too much of a good job. You either do Michael Schumacher and you get it totally wrong and you see exactly what everybody was trying to do or you do what Leclerc did. And, but no, I mean, the, for, for the minute the Ferraris got onto the track on FP1, they were fast. Yeah. And I remember watching the highlights going, wait, what, why, wait, why, what? Well, yeah, because so it went from FP1, you saw the Ferrari going fast, thinking, mm, is it just, you know, the Red Bulls and the Mercs are just holding back? Then, as you went to FP2 and FP3, they were still fast. You're going, well, maybe this is this is real. Maybe they can fight for pole. Maybe they, yeah. the tide has turned, do you think? Do you, do, you think mm. that's, do you think that's the case for every track, or do you think it's just a, a one-off? For, no, it's Monaco. For Monaco. It's clear yeah. kind of touched on earlier. Monaco's its own kind of bubble within the world of Formula 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think Ed kind of t- t- about, talked about it in a previous show. It's ridiculous, the whole Monaco circuit. And the mm-hmm. idea that having those size of cars racing around Monaco is ridiculous. It was it was ridiculous when they decided to do it in the nineteen thirties, and you know I think it was the nineteen thirties they first started doing it when it first came on, and then ended up doing it in Formula One. It's so you know you we can't it can never be used as a precursor for the rest of a season. It's just okay. Monaco is what it is. When everybody sits down to watch Monaco on a Sunday, they know they're not going to watch a passing. You know, like a Baku passing everybody and having excitement. It's not going to happen. Uh, but it gave us ex- some excitement because obviously Charles Leclerc did have that accident in uh, in qualifying, which made everyone talk all night about has he broken the gearbox? Has has the gearbox you know uh, sustained damage? Um, and then to the surprise of many many people um, around the paddock, they. The Ferrari team didn't decide to uh, to change the gearbox, and everyone was, "Oh, gosh, this is this is a risk. This is too big a risk." Um, and then it ended up that Charles, on the uh, lap out to the uh, to the grid, 
uh, something went and everyone was suspecting it was the gearbox but it wasn't actually the gearbox uh, that they've released it's something to do with the the rear axle uh, on the drive shaft drive shaft, shaft on, yeah. the, on the the right left, the left, rear hand right, side. left hand side left hand side yeah so what were you what was your thoughts on that claire were you were you disappointed for charles oh devastated like yeah. he's a He's a really lovely, like, look, I don't pretend like I know any of the drivers. I absolutely don't know the drivers. Um, <laughs> I've interviewed them and that's the best I can, I can say. And Charles is one of the, um, he, I first interviewed him when he was with Marcus Ericsson. Mm-hmm. Obviously when it wasn't um, who they are now, it was back in, what were they, Sauber then? I want to say. Yeah. 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 Sauber, yeah. Sauber, yeah. Um, and he's just, he's just a nice bloke and you can't, dislike him so there's so yeah I think I was really upset because obviously Charles had that brilliant year where he won in Monza in 2019 and Mm. yeah it was 2019 and you know he'd come into Ferrari and he was the new golden boy and he had all this talent under him and he absolutely didn't and and everyone backed him you know he's a he's a driver everyone likes and then we came into 2020 and Ferrari had one of their worst seasons in however many years it was, 60 or 40 years or whatever the, the stat is. They had a terrible, horrible year. Yeah. And then they've come back this year. You know, Carlos has come a, a, across as well. And and that would have been big for Carlos Science to come over and, and decide to, I mean, he probably was like, yay, Ferrari. Then saw them in 2020 and was like, oh. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> I think Lando made a couple of comments during 2020. Yeah. About the Ferrari, like the like the forklift truck going by, saying, "You know, oh, that's faster than your Ferrari or something." It's one of those funny things, isn't it, where you go, "Oh God, Ferrari dominance! Oh God, the Red Bull dominance! Oh God, the Mercedes dominance!" But you mm-hmm. don't like to see that sort of fall from grace, I think. And, no. and for Ferrari, especially, you know, they're a proud team, and Charles is a is a good driver, and he's a good person in 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 terms of how I view him. Yeah, <laughs> seeing that happen, I just was, I just head in hand moment really for just it was just one of those things where you're like no and then when he was going around in on the way to the grid and you just heard his little i literally went out to make a cup of tea i was like they're going to the it'll be fine it'll be fine they're going <laughs> to the grid there's nothing that can go wrong and i was like making my cup of tea in the other room and i just heard this no 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 and i was like oh no <laughs> that voice. and i came in and just saw this slowing scarlet ferrari limping it around mercedes uh, limping it around monaco and i was just like oh this is oh the curse of monaco yeah it's five, five is that five years that is uh not, he, not he has finished never it? finished is in any category has never finished monaco grand prix and he is fast around there that's what's so frustrating he is good around the track and then he mm. has this, these issues. And do you know, I, it's a funny one. I, I don't, I'm not an engineer and I don't know the ins and outs of everything that went on in Ferrari and, and I doubt we ever will. Mm. But it, I was shocked that they didn't take the five place grid penalty. I thought, isn't that the safer way to get him at least finish fifth? And look, mm. I don't know. It, it could have been that they looked at it and everything was fine. And, and that's, a, you know, by all accounts, that's what they said. Yeah. But I am, I am shocked with the amount of damage that I saw Mm-hmm. that it couldn't have been more, you know, even if it well, wasn't, well, you know, they said it was the drive shaft, but... They said they never checked it. They said they never checked the drive shaft. They only checked the gearbox. They never checked the drive shaft. It was only... Those, the, those, are the, what, those are the things that are more prone to go, though, aren't they? The, 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 the gearboxes yeah. in those situations. So, 
Why would they, I guess? I, 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 I mean, you would check the whole car, surely. You'd be like, <laughs> if, there was, if, if I get my car into a wall, I'm going to be like, where's the damage? You know, I'm going to check everything if it's going to... Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was was one of those sort of... They rolled the, they, they, they tried to roll the dice and, and essentially they lost. Mm. I mean, it's not the first time that a team's done that. I mean, we all seen McLaren with Kimi Raikkonen's flat-spotted tyre uh, and he's in first place and he's just chancing yeah. it and they're like, you know... Well, he won't he, well, he won't he, and then he didn't. Well, I suppose it was their best opportunity for po- for, for the maximum points this uh, season uh, so far. But, yeah, for Ferrari, it is. I mean, Bernardo did come out and say that they didn't take a chance by not replacing it, but I don't know if that's partly just him trying to save face. Yeah. The fact that they did go for it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose you know, they were thinking, you know, um, uh, position is key in Monaco, and you know, and you know, if you start first, you're more most likely going to finish first. Yeah, but if you, you start know. last or not start at all, then you don't. Start. Suppose that was the rest. No chance at all. Then you get no points. <laughs> at least yeah. you could have had some points. <laughs> is, is it better that it happened before the start of the race, or would we want? Would we? We wouldn't have want Leclerc to be five laps from the end in first place and something fail. You know, he's home Grand Prix, first place in the Ferrari. A bit like the Bar, is it Bahrain? The first like, uh, couple of years back with his engine trouble. Yeah. Uh, mm. You know, would we rather just to put him out of his misery before the start of the race or wait till five, ten laps? He's 15 seconds ahead of everybody. I don't know. I, he might have liked 65 laps around his hometown, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd still be on the boat in Monaco if that was the case. I don't think he'd come out. Like, no, I, I do I'm think done. it was super classy though that he came down and did all the, um, yeah. the you know, the the stuff with George Floyd on on the po- on the um, on the grid as well because it was such an important thing, especially yeah. with all the you know with all the work they're doing pre-race, mm-hmm. highlighting so many important things. I thought it was such a nice thing to see him come down, and that must have been hard. You know, that must be so hard mm. for him come, to come down onto the grid and. And support everybody, knowing that he's not going to start the race. That must have been very difficult. And and to, and to come to the podium as well at the end to congratulate Charles or Carlos. Yeah, I got the I got the impression that he didn't actually go back to an apartment. He kind of stayed with the Ferrari garage the whole yeah, race. Yeah, I think he stayed in the garage for the race. Yeah, yeah. he's a proper Ferrari team man, isn't he? He's yeah. he's doing it for the team, not doing a Kimi and just go to the boat or out in Senna and just like nope, <laughs> don't I'm away. I'll speak to you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on then. Uh, unfortunate for Charles, obviously, he did DNF, uh, the fifth DNF that he's had for uh, in Formula One, uh, and I'm, I'm sure many more uh, for other formulas. Unfortunately, next year, Charles, eh? next year. Um, let's talk about the uh, eventual winner, um, who obviously now inherited the, the kind of pole position, uh, but obviously started on the second place of the grid. But uh, uh, Max Verstappen, he was pretty faultless all week, uh, all weekend. Um, Claire, what, what what were your thoughts on Max? Did he really show his dominance uh, this weekend, do you think? I mean, there's not much to say about him because unfortunately he's the lights to flag Monaco win, which yeah. when you've got clear air, lovely. Um, mm. Look, he's a talent. He's a huge talent. Of course he is. Um, would he have... Would he have struck? You know, do you know what I would love to have seen is a is a Mercedes behind him in Monaco. Mm. That would have been fun. Like, let's see what what Hamilton could have done from behind him, and yeah. and see if there could have been 
even more fireworks. I mean, he you know did he did an outstanding job. He inherited pole position. Um, he commanded the race from there. Red Bull made good choices of when they brought him in for for the new tires. Didn't yeah. have to go for the fastest laps. So they were within him within Max. It was faultless really. There was there was nothing you could really point out, which isn't ideal for a podcast, obviously. But like, <laughs> that, what can I say? Like, they did a great job, and and that's it really. It's it's a difficult race to talk about, really, because there weren't any overtakes apart from uh, Michael Sh- uh, Michael Schumacher, Mick, Sh- Mick Schumacher on uh, Nikki. That, that would have been a pass right and a half. Stuff. Michael Schumacher done that. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, there was no overtakes, but don't get me wrong, there were enough overtakes and undertakes within the the pit stops. So I mean, yeah. there were some, just maybe not on track. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about Perez then, because Perez obviously started a bit a bit lower down, but he ended up in fourth. Um, and he's obviously the other the other Red Bull team. So he started ninth on the grid, uh, and he obviously went went long and, and performed the overcut. Um, what, what do you think about Perez's performance, uh, Adam? We'll go to you. Yeah, well, he did the job he's paid to do. Uh, mm. You know, you know, move up the grid, Even, you know, especially in a race like Monaco where it's hard to move up. Um, but I think yeah, Red Bull just did the right strategy. It's a strategy that I thought. Uh, Mercedes would have done with Hamilton, run mm. long and then pit later and gain places. Um, I was actually surprised when Hamilton pitted so early, and I was like, "What?" Yeah. I was expecting him to just keep going and going and going until his tires gave up. He was even pit. saying his his tires are are still okay, and he obviously made that complaint yeah. uh, just afterwards. But yeah, he know, wasn't he, impressed with that strategy call, was he? The over yeah. the overcut worked for uh, for Perez. Yeah. Obviously, it took him into fourth position. Um, so but again, yeah. he was he, he was able to catch Lando, but um, you know, as Mon- we know in Monaco, he can't pass, so there's not much he could do. No, exactly. Um, okay, well let's let's go. Let's talk about another t- another team then, because obviously we we touched on Red Bull. And it's very difficult to say uh, much much on any any people really, uh, because there's it's very much a procession from start to finish really. Um, let's talk about our, one of our favourite teams, uh, the McLaren team. So Norris did end up on pole, obviously uh, moving up um, because of the Charles Leclerc, uh, Clerk um, DNF. Um, how, how did you rate rate his performance uh, in the uh, race, uh, Coops? Pretty faultless, to be fair. Uh, he went out, did what he needed to do, kept Perez behind him, and I think. His second set, did he went from the soft to the hard, didn't he? He went from red to white. He didn't use the yellow, yeah. as far as I remember. And, I mean, he said that at times that car was undrivable. So, for whatever reason, the the hard tyre just kind of knocked the, the setup off a wee bit. But, you know, it's, he kept it well within the bounds. And, you know, at the start of the season, I had made a comment that, you know, for whatever reason, Norris wasn't someone that people talked about as a future champion and he's changing my mind with these performances this year. He's quietly going on about about his business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if he goes to the end of the season, if we manage 23 races and he's comfortably put Ricardo in the back seat, you know, you have to then start talking about where he, what he's going to do with himself if he keeps going the way he's going. Uh, Okay, well, how, how about his teammate then? Obviously, Norris got on, got third on the podium, uh, uh, and he, you know, got to spray the champagne in in Monaco. But his teammate was very much kind of just out of it, uh, and Danny, got lapped by by Lando. Yeah, lapped. Yeah, completely out of the points. Uh, Danny Rick is usually a, a bit of a specialist at Monaco, but 
just still cannot get his head uh, into the, 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 the McLaren he's not car. Got, he's not got the confidence in the car. Mm. He's very much the same as Hamilton this, that weekend there, you know, as Claire touches on, if you don't have confidence in your car around Monaco, mm-hmm. you're nowhere. Uh, and I think, I'm sure he's came out and said that it's a very specific driving style yeah. for the McLaren. He did. So he's having to unlearn his natural way of working. So it's not subconscious, it's conscious, and you don't have the time to think in Monaco. Mm. So when you're having to, th- you're having not to think, or you're having to try to think, you end up reverting back to your natural way of driving, and it's not suitable to that car. So he's losing time. He's still not quite got his breaking points right. He's still getting coached mm-hmm. at certain points around there. I listened to a wee bit of the free practice with the radio with Ricardo. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, his engineer was still saying, right, a wee bit more pressure here. You're losing it a wee bit there. He's still having to go through that. So he's yeah. just not at one with the car at all. He had that a bit through the race as well. His engineer was on the radio saying, you know, you need to you need to up this pace. And he was like, I can't keep this pace. And they were like, we need this pace, Daniel. You need mm. this pace. We can't do anything else. And it's a really fascinating thing um, because Sebastian Vettel came out at the beginning of the, the uh, season and said, you know, I've had to relearn how to drive a whole new car. And like, you don't yeah. quite know how hard it is to to relearn and I and I think you know Perez has had to deal with that Vettel's had to deal with that and and I think someone that's really really struggling is Daniel Ricciardo and Mm. there's part of me that's really worried that we've seen the best of Daniel and I really hope that's not the case I really hope that's not the case because I've got a lot of time for Daniel Ricciardo but there's part of me that just worries when you lose that confidence so much Mm How do you get it back? And when Lando is doing what he's doing, which, you know, you have to remember, he's been at the team for a long time. He's a lot more comfortable. He is a very different driver from from Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. And it just feels like Lando is just going from strength to strength. Two podiums when he only had one podium coming into the season. You know, he's now got two Mm. podiums to his name, one of them in Monaco. (laughs) And he's now signed a multi-year deal. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, Danny Ricks signed a multi-year deal before the, you know, he signed it back in 2019 or something stupid, didn't he? Signed it Mm. years ago. But, but, you know, there just seems to be this, this shift where, you know, you're right, Coops. Like, he was always sort of disregarded as somebody, you know, it was almost like it was like, oh, it's, you know, another driver that's just going to come through and then just filter out again. Whereas mm. actually he's giving people some time to look around and be like, oh, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, this guy's kind of quick. Like there's something, yeah. you know, and we saw it when he was in the Toka package when he was doing, well, I think it was Formula Ford, I think it might have been British F4 at the time, changed its name. But, you know, he was a rapid driver and he was, he was, I mean, this this high, but, you know, at the time, <laughs> rapid and then he's coming to F1 and he's really, really, what's really amazing is he's not only put his personality on the sport, on the championship, he's also allowed his talent to grow as well. And that's really fascinating how he's managed to balance both of that. So I think, you know, Danny Rick's sort of looking at his teammate and going, well, why am I not quite getting it right, I guess? And that must be frustrating for him alone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, he was probably expecting to do much better uh, straight out of the box, uh, moving to McLaren, you know, realising he was going to finally have one of those Mercedes engines, you know, a, a, a great aero package that McLaren can you put together. Um, yeah, I think he'll be on the back foot and kind of thinking, hang on, what, what am I going to do for the rest of this this year? I'm going to have to struggle through. 
Um, let's talk about let's talk about the Mercedes team then. We, we, we've got to talk about them. Oh, nuts! Um, <laughs> nuts! <laughs> nuts! <laughs> or nut? I should say. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously Hamilton started seventh, um, and Valtteri Bottas was starting third, um, and it just all went to pot for uh, Mercedes uh, this weekend. Let's let's be let's let's not beat around the bush. Um, strategy wise, it wasn't very good. Um, pit crew, it wasn't very good, and the drivers, uh, let's say they weren't on their top form. So it was a bad bad day at the office for the Mercedes I mean, you've, team. You've got you've got to see when Mercedes are going to make a, have a bad weekend. They really do well when they have a bad weekend. And I'm not an anti Mercedes fan, but you know. When you see when you see the team or a team that dominates the sport make a mistake, you kind of giggle to yourself a wee bit. <laughs> Even when you're not anti any Hamilton or that, you're kind of like, oh, yep, that happened. I used to do it when I watched it when Michael Schumacher and Ferrari done it, and the very rare occasion he, he binned it or something went wrong, you're like, <laughs> you know, you kind of picture it, you picked yourself up and started watching the race. Well, that's what when uh, when Bottas, I'm sure when Bottas had the bad pit stop, the first thing I thought was. Lando's in third place. I was even worried about Bottas. I was like, Lando's in third. But anyway, they in the pit lane, but they were looking at, um, we were looking at Bottas and, and watching him there and, and, you know, get the little ticker of how long he's been in there. And then it was cut away. And then they cut back and I was like, he's still there. And then to watch it go terminal that quickly, you know, just for the fact that a wheel nut had machined mm. into the axle, you know, when you're like, and then he was running in second. Like you have to feel a bit for him. It was his fine. Like it was. It was his only chance. Like so far this year to outscore his teammate, to outperform his teammate, to actually be in a position that he had outqualified his teammate. And then that happens, and you're just like, oh, what a what a terrible time for him. You know, when he's trying so hard to stay in that seat as well. Yeah, it it was it was a shocker. Um, he's pulled into the 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 pit, and obviously. The blame now. Uh, there's been a, a, an article going around. We don't know if this article is the is is a real quote because unfortunately there's lots of you know things going around the internet. It's not a full quote, I don't think. But uh, Toto apparently has laid some blame at Bottas's door um, for not 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 landing in the pit box correctly. Now we don't know if, if this is if this is the uh, you know a complete true quote i i certainly don't think it's the full quote and i think it's definitely been taken out of context from what he said um but yeah is that, because, is that because you think it's totally absurd or is that just because <laughs> of formula one but he said the opposite as well. he said the he said the um the guy that was operating the the gun wasn't at fault at all i thought but he's the one that's doing it how is he not at fault but bottas is but this, this, see, this is a, this is the quote that's from a dubious source. So I'm not going to take it as. Uh, yeah, as I did see that quote afterwards, and I did, I did listen to his presser. It was, it was from Auto und Sport, one of the German um, Auto und Sport, or, or, or whatever it was. But uh, obviously, uh, Planet F1 have run with it, and a, a couple of other pages, uh, pages on Facebook have run with it. Um, so I, I, I think maybe he was asked, you know, what was the. What was the situation uh, in relation to if, if this if the quote is true uh, that he did say that I think what he's probably been asked is what what led up to the situ the, the situation with the wheel nut. He's probably said, well, 
you know, Valtteri was Valtteri was slightly askew uh, in the pit box. The uh, wheel gun man had to move uh, and adjust himself, uh, and as he's done that, he's he's pressed the button too early and and machined the nut. But also, it could have been a translation. Sometimes um, when things are translated from like Austrian or German, like it's slightly yeah. different in uh, when we read it, obviously. Yeah, blame. The word blame was kind of emphasised, and I, I, I just don't, I can't see it. Maybe he, if he was saying it was a set of circumstances that led to the wheel nut, and that's been translated as blame. Um, but I, I can't see it, um, and I don't see it as a real strong negative. I think he was probably just breaking down kind of what happened uh, and the reason that it did happen. Um, but it did happen. Uh, we had a machined nut, which we probably haven't seen. I've never seen it. Uh, never heard of it either. Never heard of it, never seen it. Obviously, knew it, it could be possible. I mean, I do it all the time to my Phillips uh, Phillips head uh, screws when I'm doing DIY or pretending to do DIY. Um, so yeah, it it hap- it can happen. It had happened. It's weekend. amazing the, the the video that the slow mo video that popped up on social media showing you is amazing to see. You know, the gun comes on, comes off, and then there's this thing that's just at one with the axle, and you're like, yeah. oh, that's not coming off anytime soon. <laughs> Um, and Bottas said he, Bottas himself said he sh- he saw shards of metal flying out, flying around the wheel. So it was, he, I think he probably saw that it was uh, not a good thing anyway. Um, but let's talk about the other Mercedes then, because um, as you say, Lewis Hamilton had a terrible weekend really for for Lewis Hamilton. He ended up in seventh. Uh, he started in seventh and ended up in seventh. So he didn't gain, didn't lose anything. But it, what he did do, because uh, he had the time, is he. Slapped a new pair of boots on towards the end and got the fastest lap to try and minimise the damage uh, in the championship. But the damage is done because he's no longer first in the championship um, and neither are Mercedes uh, in the constructors. How big is this for the, the championship this year, Claire? <laughs> I mean, not that big. <laughs> no. Oh, no, no. Like, I They'll like, have it back next week. <laughs> no, I, you know, I'd love... Uh, I mean, look, it's advantage Red Bull. That's on paper. That's what we've got to work with. And Red Bull have closed the gap and leapfrogged over Mercedes in a dominating year of the since 2014. Since we've seen this Mercedes, nobody can beat it. You know. Mm. So regardless of the fact that is this what we're going to see until the end of the season? Maybe not. It doesn't matter. It shows that at least another another team is getting closer. So even if like you know seven races time. Hamilton's mm-hmm. got another 14 point cushion lead, you know, uh, fine, you know, at least, but at least we've got a glimpse of something. And I think that's what's really exciting heading into the whole big changes for next year as well with the rules and regulations changes. Mm-hmm. You know, it. I don't want to say it's going to be like a, you know, fresh, a fresh clean sheet next year, because I don't think it will be. I think the same teams will be dominant, you know, the same teams yeah. we see now. It's still going to be Red Bull, still going to be Mercedes, it's still going to be the Ferraris, hopefully it's still going to be McLaren, I think they're still the ones that are going to stay at the top or at least Red Bull and and Mercedes but the thing is I think that's different for this one is the confidence I think it will give Max Verstappen and I think that's the difference I think the fact is is that there's two things in this basically Max is going to get confidence which is good for him moving Mm -hmm. to the next place you know he's he's you know he can walk with his head you know high in in the paddock blah 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 the, but the, the the danger is now is that you've got a very rattled Lewis Hamilton, which is mm. arguably more dangerous. <laughs> so all <laughs> you've done is like poked at the bear. <laughs> so it's it's a it's an interesting one where it will be very 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 interesting to see how Lewis comes back because this is the first time we've seen Lewis not his calm and calculated 
usual Lewis Hamilton we've seen of of, of recent years. Yeah. Lewis has really worked on how he how he says it. He's very calculated. He's very much like Sebastian Vettel. Very calculated. Very ready with every word he's going to say next. Doesn't mm-hmm. say a word too soon. But a but old Lewis Hamilton maybe would have said too many words too soon. Twenty sixteen Rosberg Hamilton war of words. You know, they yeah. did have those arguments and then yeah. they did like stop talking to each other after, I think it was after Monaco last time, they decided they weren't going to talk to each other anymore, you know. Mm. And it's, I think that's the interesting part of the championship now. It's it's the mind games and how we start playing those because Lewis says he doesn't like mind games. However, this weekend, he says Verstappen has lots to prove. You know, he, he <laughs> is playing the game. And then afterwards, he said, oh, we don't want to get in a childish war of words with everyone. Well, you're playing the game, mate. You're doing it all right, you know. And that's yeah. what's going to be really fascinating. It's going to be this. They've got lots of, I, you know, I truly believe that there is there is a lot of respect between the two drivers. And mm. I think that will be the interesting thing. It'll be who blinks first. Yeah, absolutely. I, we, we were expecting fireworks because we thought, uh, obviously, uh, Lewis Hamilton would be a lot closer this weekend, um, but it, it didn't happen. Obviously, Coops, you, you you suggested that it was going to be going to be a coming together of uh, Hamilton and Verstappen. Obviously, it didn't happen this weekend, but can you see it happening at some yes. point this year? Oh, that, that, that's you know, it's it's just it's that like Joker is the Pope Catholic. You know, it's <laughs> going to happen. You know, every race weekend except Monaco, the first and second, or second to first, or first to second. Mm. They've already had a wee bit of contact, but, you know, as they've always said, and I think Ernst Senna was quite, you know, kind of said it as well, you'd rather lose, you'd rather take out your teammate than lose to them, or your <laughs> rival than lose to them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if they're first and second going into that first corner in Baku, <laughs> so they're not making the second lap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're going to do a Red Bull from a couple of years ago and disappear up that, you know... They won't do the it there, road. though, will they? That's not going to be... They're, they're both... I think they're both two intelligent drivers. Yeah, and, I, maybe. and I think that's... We'll see something silly, I think. Um, and I'm not wishing... You know, Sebastian Vettel said something very interesting about this at the beginning of the weekend, actually. And he said, I wish people would stop asking when they're going to crash. We should be praising the fact that they've had so many wheel-to-wheel battles and not crashed. Mm. And it's true. It's so true. The the level of talent that we've seen between these two drivers and they haven't crashed has been like phenomenal. Like it's obviously not as big fireworks, don't get me wrong, but mm. but even just watching them going wheel to wheel, we've not seen that in a long time. And that's really exciting for me. So yeah. the fact if they're going to crash or not going to crash is sort of irrelevant to me. The fact that they are going wheel to wheel and one of them could win and one of them won't, that's even more exciting, I think, for me. Absolutely. Yeah. We're just we're just enjoying every race this year so far. I mean, we've had we've had really good ones and we've had you know a few lackluster ones, but even the lackluster ones have given us plenty to talk about yeah there's always been something to talk about That's yeah there's, the there's been something to chat about in uh, uh, every single race give me uh kind of a summary some a summation of the of your of your drivers that you felt did well this weekend uh coops um because I, I realize you know there's not really so many we can't talk about every single person because it was pretty non-eventful for the rest of the grid um but kind of pick pick a pick a, an, another person out of the uh the rest of the grid that you want to talk about well, I'll, I'm going to shock all of you, and I'm going to talk about Ocon. Okay, your your enemy. I just, I just, <laughs> there were, I don't know what it was, but there was something that just made me think. And the way that he get, the way that he went on last year, or how he didn't really do anything against Ricardo last year, I was just like, nah, 
you're kind of done, you're finished. But he's quietly just got on about his business and he's, you know, there was all this talk at the start of the season that, you know, Gasly's probably going to end up in the Alpine. Mm. Well, now, what, five races down and they're talking about Ocon might get an extension to his contract already, you know. Yeah. He finished ninth. Alonso finished 13th. Mm-hmm. Alonso, fin- uh, Alonso qualified 17th. I mean, Alonso was out-qualified by George Russell. Yeah. Uh, I think, from what I gathered, the Alpines were struggling with the same issues as Mercedes. They just couldn't get their tyres to fire up. Yeah. Uh, but again, one of them struggled with it and the other one didn't quite struggle with it. So Ocon's quietly do, again, proving me wrong. Everybody that I talked about that I wanted to, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't think Ocon was going to do well against Alonso. He is. I thought that Sonoda was going to do be, do really well. He's not. And I thought <laughs> that uh, I thought that Danny Ricciardo would be closer to Norris. It's not happening. So it shows you how much of a crapshoot it really is with Formula One. And it's great. I, I love all this. I love to think and go, oh, yeah, prove me wrong. And it, and it also points us in the direction of not going to you for tips uh, for, our, for, for, our, for our bets if, that we If any of you have seen how my fantasy scene work out, you will know. <laughs> Do not ask me anything about predicting anything. I'll I tell you what, there's a start and a finish. That's it. I think what put us off was um, Bahrain. Because we had so much testing and practice mm. going into Bahrain, the new drivers were able to you know, get more comfortable for that race. Then once we went to the next circuit, we started to see the more seasoned drivers come forward and the new mm. drivers fall back. So I think it was like a false start for it, especially Sonoda, who did so well in Bahrain, then it's just sort of faltered. Uh, he's, he's just, he's, Sonoda hasn't recovered from winning it. Uh, I want to say Imola, but I might be Imola. wrong. Yeah, yeah when he binned it in qualifying at the first thing yeah. and he tanned it. He's just not quite got back into that groove again. And then, of course, in Spain, when he decided to say that there was something wrong with the camp and the car compared to his teammate, oh, and then yeah. lasted about eighteen laps. You're like, oh, you pissed off your engineers, did you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but no, I, I mean, he definitely has some raw talent. I think he needs to take a step back and just get his head down Smart and go on with it. Yeah, but you know, I, the other thing that I want to bring up about Monaco was the fact that. Aston Martin done so well, so we didn't have to hear it off uh, Snaff now and moan about the regulations ruining <laughs> our low-rate car again for the fifth weekend in a row. Uh, but it was nice to hear it. I think I shared it in our group chat. Like, mm. you know, Vettel at the end of the race, a happy Vettel. Yeah. I, I think it was I think it was more the Vettel's talent shone through. It was a good weekend for the two of them. Yeah. Uh, we can't blame Stroll for the fact that he'd done that with the swimming pool, which meant that we missed... Vettel passing yeah. Gasly on the outside of the after the pit stop, uh, which has been memed to nobody's yeah. business to the point where even Teller didn't know what I was doing when I sent him a video. But. Yeah, it, it went completely over my head. Anyway, Adam, who who else who stood out for you uh, over the weekend that that we haven't spoken about? Yeah, as, as we said, I was going to say about Vettel and just saying he's sort of found his groove now. Hopefully, mm-hmm. if they ask Martin I'm off to see how it goes in Baku. Um, with the long straights, um, because it seems to struggle when they've got long straights compared to when there's just corners. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he sort of showed all weekend. He got drive of the day as well. I think, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. Um, so he's that still would be popular. Nice yeah, yeah, he's still popular with the fans, and um, hopefully he can use this confidence going forward. Same, Same question, question to you, Claire, and uh, 
Who else stood out for you that we maybe haven't mentioned? I mean, same really, because they were the ones. I mean, I have to agree with Ocon. Like, I think he's had a tough time. You know, he had his time out when he was. Um, he lost his drive basically and became a reserve driver of a Mercedes. And he came back yeah. in. And in his second year with the team, he's outperforming a two time world champion. You know, he is. And you have to remember how young he is. He's only like 23 or 24. Like he's a baby. Yeah, and you forget that. You do forget that. And yeah. you know, he's a he's a hard grafter. And again, he's a he's a nice bloke to speak to. So like I've been really impressed by him actually. And and like you say, like he's just chipping it away. He's he's mm. not he's not shouting about it. He's he's just chipping it away in a nice way. And the reason I think that he's now being looked at is because obviously to re resigned is because Mercedes have now been like, Oh, Ocon. I remember <laughs> that young Mercedes driver that left us for Renault, like, oh, flirting over there, you know. There's also that sort of interest, I think, that that is is what Alpine Alpine are trying to you know, stop happening. Fettel was just yummy to see, wasn't it? That was just so yeah, nice. That was just a really lovely moment for everyone that's that's really watched him suffer at Ferrari. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, not comfortable with team, however you want to look at it, he wasn't comfortable there. So that was really nice. And, I mean, we've spoken to, about him a bit, but Carlos Sainz, like, great. You know, he, had, he, he took it home for Ferrari, who had a, a tough weekend with with one driver not starting the race, you know, and, and he held his nerve and, and it was, it was nice to see, you know, yeah. I've never really been controversial, but I've never really been that impressed by Carlos. He's, he's always sort of been a driver that's, that I've never really sort of bought into, but actually yeah. I sort of was like, Oh no, that's really impressive. That's, I, I like that. That's good. So I think, I think, yeah, much the same really, yeah. just a more long winded way of saying it. Sorry. Yeah. Carlos is very. Yes, he he, he's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? He's not one of the. He's not sensational like George Russell, Hamilton. He's not. He's not Mazepin, obviously. You know, he's just kind of there, and you kind of sometimes sometimes you can be a wee bit anonymous in general. So I can see what you mean by that. But yeah, it's uh, and he, he's just slotted into Ferrari so well this year. Like every other new driver struggled. He's... Well, he did get plenty of laps around Fiorano in the pre-season in a two-year-old Ferrari, which none of the other new drivers got. Mm. He was the only driver that was able to put the laps in before testing. But then I think coming off such a bad season the year before, I think they were like, we really need to do something different here. We really need to get you in and organised. Uh, yeah, it's shaping up to be quite an interesting season. Uh, well, that was pretty much our review of the, uh, the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, it was exciting for maybe different reasons to the, the we, than we usually expect from a, a Formula One race. Um, it certainly gave us a few things to talk about here in the podcast. Our guest, special guest is Claire Cottingham. She's been obviously re helping us review the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, Claire, you are, you, uh, you've done loads of things within the, the Formula One world and, and motorsport world. Um, what, what are you doing this year? Um, what are you, what, what's your main focus this year? Uh, my main focus this year at the moment is um, the newspaper stuff that I'm, I'm doing. Um, mm -hmm. I've come away from um, various other things, just pandemic-wise, really. Um, mm. and 
became the F1 writer for um, a national newspaper, um, which is which is great. More women uh, writers as well. We've only really got um, a few female writers uh, within newspapers. So, so yeah, that's pretty much what I do at the moment. I write about F1 every single day and work incredibly hard over F1 weekends, mm. <laughs> basically. So is is that is that your your busiest time then over the weekend of uh, of a Formula One season, or do you do you try and get keep busy uh, in between the weeks too, uh, and, and get speaking to man, uh, constructors and that sort of thing? Or? Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, we do we do um, obviously F one weekends are our busiest time, and then they all kind of go into holes during <laughs> during the in between <laughs> races. So yeah, we tend to um, we we spoke to George Russell this year. I'm quite I'm actually quite new at the at the job um i started it in march so okay. we've, we've done stuff with george russell we've done a few things with um trying to now desperately think who else we've spoken to um damon hill we've spoken to brundle we've spoken to we speak to norris every week so okay. so yeah it's 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 busy okay so what got you into motorsport uh, in general kind of the journalism aspect and uh, and all the, you know the presenting and all the things that you do do uh, uh, so, so when I was younger, my um, my dad is well, he is still is a motorsport doctor. So he's a, he's okay. an emergency doctor basically. Um, but in his spare time, he used to go and do many races. So we used to spend a lot of our times going on French holidays and then end up in the paddocks of Le Mans. And I was just like, oh, fast cars. Um, <laughs> and recently, actually, you can see behind me. This is one that I've stolen from my parents' house, which is the silk. Can you see it? The silk car. Ooh. Yeah. Oh wow! Yes, stole that. There's another one down there as well that I also stole from them because basically they were moving house, and I was like, "Oh, these are mine now." Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, basically, you got into motorsport because my parents. Um, mum, mum did a lot for it as well. Um, so, so yeah, through that really, and then I started working. Um, for Radio Silverstone, when it used to have the 24-hour ra- uh, radio, I think it just has that on race weekends now. But um, mm. yeah, started working through that, and then and then made my way through life. Really, that was it. So yeah, probably probably my parents got me massively into it. I think my grandma was quite into it as well. So wow. I sort of just grew up around it. Really, <laughs> my grandparents yeah. were both sides actually. So it was destined. You were destined to always work within the the motorsport world. Yeah, I mean. I mean, sort of like my one of my sisters a burlesque dancer, and the other one's a um, wow. a proofreader for children's books. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't that's know a very eclectic collection. It's what I wanted to do. Let's put it like that. I always wanted to get into broadcast, and then you know, was very lucky in the opportunities that I've had to to work in various for various different wonderful people, and um, yeah, this is my life. Okay, so you probably are aware that Formula One fans—it's obviously a massive fan base. Formula One. Um, if you were going to say uh, there's a, a motorsport that you should kind of enjoy as well as Formula One, which which would you pick then? If you, if you were to say it, because you like Formula One, you should try Formula E, or you should try you know F two or Le Mans or IndyCar. What what would, what would you say they should they should kind of have a look into? Again, it depends, I guess, what you want. Um, if you want fun, sort of unpredictable racing, I would be like either watch touring cars or Formula E. I, I, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of FE. I think it 
doesn't sometimes quite get the credit it deserves because yeah. actually it's usually really really close racing it's well put together i like the broadcast team i've got a lot of time for for the whole thing really mm. um the drivers are talented um there's a lot of passion in there you know it's 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 the whole package for me um Mm-hmm. And if you can, you know, if you don't like the sound, turn turn the sound down, you know. <laughs> For me, it doesn't bother, like, this sort of like, oh, well, I don't like the sound. It sounds like hair dryers or whatever it is. That doesn't bother me. If the racing is good, then the racing is good. You know, you can watch certain racing where the cars are, are you know, slower, but it doesn't make it any less exciting racing. If it's a good racing series, then it's a good racing series. Um, but for me, I, I really like Effie. I really like um, touring cars. There's a lot of great things on the Toka package in general. Um, the mm. Janetta Juniors, if you like watching, you know, the craziness of the Janetta Juniors is always always quite fun. Um, and also, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I mean, also the British GT is great. You know, mm. the, I, th- I think that is, is where, I, you know, I started watching lots of the British GT. I mean, it's, again, it depends what you want to watch. Do you want to sit and watch 24 hours of racing? Watch Le Mans. <laughs> Do you want to watch yeah. like, some fun overall racing? You know, watch Indy. It's, it depends what you want from, from your motorsport. If you want Crash Bang and Wallop, watch some touring cars. If you want some, you know, exciting, close racing, watch FE. If you want, you know, to watch something new and revolutionary, then watch W Series. You know, there's lots of fun things out there. And that's what's so exciting about motorsport. I think that there's so many different categories that you can, like, dip your toe into. And that's fun. Adam, have you got a question for Claire? Um, yeah, it's basically just um, who's the f- who's your favorite person to interview, and what is your what was your most interesting interview that you've done? Um, I mean, I've been I've been so incredibly lucky to interview quite a few different people. Um, I think I think one that always does stand out to me, um, just for the sheer time that he gave me and the interest of of the interview itself was when I, um, and it was back in 2014 and I was at the Blanc pan at Brands Hatch and Alex hmm. Zanardi was racing and okay. he was racing for BMW at the time. And a friend of mine had got in contact and said, you know, you can come and have an interview with him because it'd be the, I think it was the first time he had returned back to Brands Hatch after winning his gold medal there at the Olympics, uh, Paralympics, sorry. Hmm. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, great, okay, we'll come and have a chat. And I thought it was going to be a five-minute chat, sit down. But, he, you know, he sat me down in the motorhome. We had this, I, I kid you not, 45-minute interview. And he just was <laughs> chatting away, loveliest person, you know, all of these stories falling out of him, anything you could talk about. And we sat there for ages just chatting and chatting and chatting. It was almost that thing where I was like, well, I don't want to leave. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he was so wonderful. And I remember coming away and being like, I'm never going to edit this. I'm never going to be able to edit this. But at the time, I was working for BBC Radio Kent. So I had to like yeah. edit it down to maybe a three-minute three, three minute interview. Uh, but but to be honest, it was just such an honor just to speak to him and chat to him and, and you know, just get all these the views from, like, what it used to be like and, and what it was like for him and, and how he's overcome so much as well. So that's the first yeah. one that I've that's come off the top of my head. So I feel like that's probably one that was was quite a memorable one for me. But yeah, been I've been super lucky to to chat to some incredible people um, and some wonderful sports people through throughout my whole career. But yeah, he was a special one, I think. And who would you, who would you love to interview that you haven't? He could be you know past maybe not no they're not with us anymore. But you know who who would you have liked to sat down with and had a, a good interview with? 
I should have done my prep before this. Um, <laughs> that's a really hard question. Um, um, I don't want to be like really obvious with it and be like Senna. Like that's just, yeah. Um, <laughs> I do you know someone I've always really regretted not having a chance to have a sit down with was Murray Walker. Um, obviously uh, okay. we lost him so recently and I always mm-hmm. thought that I would have the chance and like I maybe took it for granted that I thought oh well I'll, I'll meet him at an event or and I only ever walked past him I only ever chatted to him very briefly and I always mm. thought maybe arrogantly that I would I would one day be able to sit at a dinner with him and, and he would be, just be there and I'd be able to go over and just have like a, a chat with him and just and just hear some of his stories um, and I think I think that would be Someone I've always wanted to actually look. Even you're even sitting on a Murray Walker book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. there he is. Yeah, right. Because um, it sits it up a bit higher as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think Murray's yeah. always useful for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, th- I think it would it would have probably been Murray, and I'm I'm regretful that I didn't ever really get to do that. So, how easy was it for you as a woman to get into motorsport? Obviously it's not the most diverse uh, industries. Um, did you did you find it difficult uh, getting there, getting to where you are? I think everyone within their career is comes up against boundaries and comes up against certain things. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't be entirely sure if that's because of my gender. I, I don't know. Um, I have I've been very lucky. Um, we're not lucky I've worked hard but I've been I've been very privileged in who I've met and who who I've worked alongside mm-hmm. um, some of my best friends are you know well-known commentators within the industry like I, I've, I've I've made a family and I've made friends within within my work which is which yeah. is incredible um, in terms of how hard it is I think I think it's still hard I don't mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think I've made it. I don't. <laughs> I, I absolutely don't think I've made it whatsoever. I've done some incredible things within my career, and I've I've done some some things I could only ever have dreamed of. You know, I mm. I went to Monaco two weeks ago for the FE. Like what? <laughs> like you know that was incredible. <laughs> but you know, I still have down days. I have da- I have days where I I don't feel that you know I I have a good career, or I I don't feel that I've done enough, or I don't feel that. I've capitalized enough on what I've worked on. You know, every, everyone has those those moments, and I don't think that's down to if you're a male or a female or or you know non-binary or whatever you you choose to identify as. Everyone has these struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think I won't know the answer to that question until I get to the end. I know that sounds like a really like cop mm. out, like, but, but I, I don't think I will. I, I I've been helped along the way by by everybody, really, by men, by women, by you know mentors, by by all sorts of people. But then I've come, I have come up against resistance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, to say it's it's easy to get into any industry is, especially during a pandemic, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's awful out there at the moment. But I, I don't I don't know is the answer to that one. Um, I couldn't say yes or no either way because. I think I think sometimes your path does that. Sometimes you go down the way of like you can't see it, but I'm doing a fork. 
<laughs> it's a podcast. Um, but, you know, sometimes your path goes goes one way and then it swings back to the other way. You know, it's incredibly hard for women to get in. Yes, is the answer to that. Women, women will struggle and women are going to continue to struggle. However, I do feel that there are changes, be it slow. I think they are slower than we, <laughs> we could really hope for. Um, mm. More is starting to change, um, but not enough. So, what would you what would what would be your key piece of advice for a young uh, lady watching motorsport, thinking, you know what, this is what I want to do? What What would you say to them? Back yourself, <laughs> because <laughs> because the men back themselves. Like men are mm. wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Like they are awesome, but they are they back themselves, and women tend to or maybe more me I, I you know I, I tend to second guess myself and mm. and I think that is where my downfall has been in the past whereas someone else might back themselves a lot more um, you are your biggest champion and if you don't champion yourself people will see through it in a heartbeat um, and get nice people around you that's what you like if you've got nice people around you it doesn't matter what people are saying on Twitter or what people are saying on any social media because you've got the people around you that are looking after you and checking in on you they're the only people that matter don't care about the rest of them like there's <laughs> tosses everywhere but like but keep your core you know keep the people that mean the most to you close to you uh and bring back yourself <laughs> do it uh, and in terms of formula one obviously they they are they've got this we race as one uh thing that they've brought in uh, that's to include more black people more um more uh, women you know they're trying to be more inclusive do you, do you think this year some of the teams have kind of moved forward with actual things um to, to kind of back up the words that they've been saying but do you think f1 uh, as a whole is doing that uh, or do you think they still need to to move as you say you think they're moving slowly um do you think they need to move uh, more quickly um in in order to to kind of live up to their the words that they're saying i think society is moving slowly i don't think it's just motorsport to be clear i think mm. everyone is is lagging behind and but the thing is like it's it's a conditioned thing you know it's it's how we've grown up thinking we have to be and how people have have grown up thinking they have to react and act and and women have fallen into a category and certain, I, I can only talk for women. I, you know, obviously yeah, there's no, so many other issues out there, but, but unfortunately that's, it's not something I, you know, I can't be like, I've, I've gone through that too. I can only speak as a woman. However, there should be a lot more diversity and there should be a lot more people involved. Um, and I mean, can F1 do more? Probably, but I think we all can. If you're not doing mm. more then you're part of the problem. Okay, well, let's get a bit lighter because obviously I went I went deep there, didn't I? I went I went quite deep. In terms of uh, the W series, that that we're going to see a few more races. Well, we're going to see the the races uh, um, on the F one weekends this year. Um, can you see one of these uh, female drivers uh, in Formula One uh, in the future? Do you think, uh, say, Jamie Chadwick's got what it takes to uh, to, to to be actually seated? Uh, in a Williams or in a, any other manufacturer for that matter? Well, I think we've got two drivers, obviously, already um, doing a lot to be involved. Um, Jamie, obviously, is is part of um, Williams. We've also now got Jess Hawkins that's come over to Aston Martin to do a few things as well. Um, there's no reason why not. The super license points at the moment, obviously, is the hindrance. Um, mm -hmm. W Series this year is 
allowing super license points, which is which is great. Obviously, a year too late for for Jamie to win when she won the championship two years ago, but um, yeah. but but of but of course, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no there's no other answer to that really. Um, whether it's this batch of drivers, who knows? Because nobody can answer that. I would hope so, and I would like to see more women involved, and and it to not be a woman driver. I would like it mm-hmm. to be, you know, when we did W Series uh, in in 2019, we didn't call them female drivers, women drivers. We called them drivers because they are yeah. drivers. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. what they are. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, if if we're still pushing like this in 10 years' time, then we're, we're still doing something wrong. Um, women are just as fast. Um, and, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole other thing of – you know, Charlie Martin is pushing for for more trans visibility within the paddock as well. Race and Pride is doing a lot in terms mm-hmm. of, of that as well. So so I think absolutely we will see somebody that isn't um, identifying as a man in, in Formula One eventually, hopefully soon. Yeah, fingers crossed. We, we are, that's one thing that we're strong advocates for and that's, uh, we, we, we are very much behind all genders, uh, races, to be included in, in motorsport and um, sort of something we all feel very passionately about. Okay, let's 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 go to just something fun. Um have you ever said the wrong thing in an interview? I mean probably this whole interview. <laughs> no, no, not this one. No. I mean what have I said so far? Um yeah, tell you a funny one that I actually I don't know if I can tell you that one. <laughs> oh that means that means you must tell us i have done a few one of them was involving kimi raikkonen oh, okay which was he he'd misheard that i'd said something um in an interview mm. i oh, no, i can't tell you that one i can't tell you that one. um <laughs> what, what was another Uh, oh, a very famous one. Famous, listen to me. It's on my Wikipedia page. It's not. When I first did my F1, my first ever F1 race, I was, um, I was, cut, I was in, um, it wasn't my first race, but my first race for BBC Five Live. And I was mm. in for Jenny Gow, who was doing Formula E, um, London FE alongside Jack Nichols, and they were out in London. So I was um, drafted in alongside Tom Clarkson and Alan McNish at the time. So a couple of years ago, yeah, 2015, 16, 16, 15, mm-hmm. 16. Anyway, it was Austria. <laughs> and uh, it was my first time in the paddock, uh, like properly pit lane reporting, like up and down, like before I'd sort of been in and out of the paddock, but it was when I was Radio Silverstone. So it was like, I'd literally walked up and down the paddock and seen a few drivers once. Anyway, this is my first time properly in a pit lane uh, in F1. And uh, I was with Alan McNish as we were walking up and down. And Alan, lovely, lovely person. Absolutely love Alan. Got a lot of time for him. But um, we were walking up and down. And um, my first interview that I did, I saw Fernando Alonso. And I was like, oh, this is going to be my first interview. This is going to be, this is going to be, this is the big balls. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is stuff. Anyway, so I went over and uh, and Alan said, you know, was, oh, Fernando, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. You know, how's it going? And I had this lovely conversation with him. And I was like that. Just like waiting to jump in, like looking like an absolute idiot in the corner. And I was like, well, it's my turn. They're, they're, they're finishing now. And I went, <clears throat> hello, Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And like, I just thought, Alan, just be like, 
<laughs> just looking at me and he's never let me like literally I saw him in Monaco the other day and he went hello Alonso and I was like whatever whatever so that's never let me down so that was a good one oh, first interview on BBC Radio 5 Live and I call him Alonso <laughs> honestly you must have re- you must have really enjoyed watching you squirm at that moment you just just, just laugh just like I'm just I'm not even going to save you I'm just going to leave you to I just stood there and went no, let's crack on. <laughs> Keep going. I just carried on. I didn't say anything. I was just like, no, your name's a lot. You know, that's it now. Hello, Alonso. <laughs> Never lived it down, honestly. Coops, have you got another question for uh, our guest, Claire? Is there anything, any other kind of sport or thing outside motorsport that you follow? Or in, what, what do you do when it's not about motorsport? Um, I love cricket. I watch a lot of cricket. Um, I'm a big fan. I'm of- Scottish, so what's cricket? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Say that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like rugby, but, you know, you're also, well, you're all right at rugby sometimes, aren't you? We're okay. Yeah. We beat England yeah. in the better Six than, Nations. Better than Italy, but that's not saying a lot. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so I, I tend to watch a lot of cricket, um, listen to a lot more cricket. I'm, I'm more of a, um, I'm one of those very strange people that likes to listen to, so I, I, I only ever listen to F1 um, mm. rather than, I have it on, and obviously now I work in it, I have it on as well, I watch it as well because it's important to know where we're at, but um, but I only ever listen, and um, the same for the cricket um, on Five Live, I only ever listen as well. Um uh, I tend to like dip in and out of football. I try really hard to be like love football. I don't. Um, I and I and that's really bad. I know it's bad, but I, I like it. I like it, but I, do I love it? I don't know. All the time, I do. What I love about football is going to watch it live. That's I'm with I you though. I, I don't watch a lot of football at all. The, yeah. the, these chats always talk about it, and I'm like, mm, football. I can nah. take. Yeah, I take it or leave it. You know, like I like it, and I love watching it live. But would I, you know, if would I be devastated if I missed my team play? Probably not. Who is um, your team? Uh, so I've got. I mean, I'm. I lived at Eastbourne for a long time, so my team has to be Brighton. Right. Eastbourne Town. I don't. They're very hard to keep <laughs> keep up with. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I also I, I really love non-league. I know that sounds like a really weird thing to say, but working at. Um, BBC Radio Kent, we did loads of non-league football. So, like, we did a lot of, like, Maidstone and Folkestone. And they were, like, such fun. Like, a really Ebb's Fleet. Like, they're really cool teams to go and see. So, I'm more of, like, a, a non-league football fan because there's mm-hmm. more, there's lots of action. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, um, that's probably, yeah, probably probably cricket, I would say, is my number two. And, and I do like a bit of rugby. I just don't understand the the rules all the time <laughs> um so who is going to win out of it's obviously between the two we we, we, we could pretend that, that there are other people uh that are viable uh championship winners but we will just be pretending out of lewis and max this year who do you think will will take it if you had five pounds who would just stick your five pounds on today uh, at the bookies <laughs> 20 pounds mate <laughs> Uh, twenty pounds. She's, she's got more confidence than that. Lewis Howard. Oh no, you can have a fiver actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've got money on the back of my phone. What a weird place to keep my money. Um, uh, so yeah, I'd love it to be. I'd love it to be Max. Will it be Max? I don't think so. Um, and that's not me putting like no confidence in Max. I just, I, I just think it's too soon for anyone to be able to beat the Mercedes. Hmm. You think you think the Mercedes will just uh, slowly? 
their, their consistency is their is their strong strong suit, isn't it? You know, their seven time world champion is their strong point. <laughs> 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 argument there. But, um, no, look, like they all work amazingly as a team, and 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 they're still a very strong package. You know, they're they're incredible what they're doing. They they're not seven time world champions for no reason, and they haven't won all these titles in the last seven years for no reason you know mm. I think it's what I said at the beginning you know the the confidence that I take from it is the fact that Red Bull have got a bit closer have they got yeah. close enough I, I just don't think so not with an eight world you know with an eighth world title looming I just think yeah. it's too strong of a pull for Hamilton and will we see Hamilton in the car next year uh, and how many years do you think he'll be around for I think yes we will um, I think it will be, I think it will be a two-year deal because I don't think he wants to race after forty. Okay, and who do you think will be sitting next to him? Will it be Will it be Russell or will it be Bottas still? I or somebody else, Esteban Ocon, as we mentioned earlier. It's going to be Stoffel Van Dorn. I'd love it to be Russell. I mean, that's not a prediction. That's just what I'd like to see. But then also, I, you know, Bottas is a nice guy. I could never be a team boss because I'd be like, everyone has a seat. <laughs> you know, we'll be just like giving it to one driver to the next. Um, I'd like to see it be Russell because I think if Russell doesn't get it sometime soon, he's going to be pootling around in the back with an, a Williams for another year. And obviously Williams have had a, a tough old time, but I, w I think it would be a shame to watch that talent fall behind and actually I think if Russell didn't get a Mercedes seat next year he should look for other teams if definitely if, if Williams aren't going to give him a package that can show what he can do otherwise otherwise he'll miss the boat you know mm. and, and I don't really want to see that so I hope it's I like Bottas no offense Bottas but I'd like to see it to be um it'd be nice to see if it was Russell Okay, we're, we're British fans, obviously, uh, so we, we do have a slight bias towards the British drivers. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming to speak to us today, uh, Claire. It's been very interesting. We could speak to you all night, and we probably have. This has been the Everything F1 podcast. Uh, we are obviously available on all the social networks that we mentioned before at the start of the podcast. Is there anything that you want to promote while you're here, Claire? Nah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> go follow me on Twitter. <laughs> don't, don't, don't follow you on Twitter, Twitter or do. Oh, well, you don't have to if you don't want to. I, mean, you <laughs> I don't write anything interesting. <laughs> no. Talk, talk about backing yourself. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and follow Claire Cottingham on Twitter. Um, she does have insight and she does share a lot of stuff because that's how we found her. Uh, so head over there to, and like her page. Like our pages. Join EF1 on all uh, socials. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Discord server, and our website, www.everythingf1.com. All that's left for me to say is thank you very much for my team, uh, Coops and Adam. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And thank you very much to our special guest, Claire Cottingham. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm clapping myself. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Everything F1 podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.